Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the new Mainstream Podcast, where we explore the impact of multicultural consumers on marketing and media. I'm your host, Mario Carrasco, and co-founder of ThinkNow. Today, our guest is Deidre Rahman, Vice President of Brand Strategy at Huge. Welcome, Deidre. Thank you for having me. We finally got together. We finally did it. I know. We've been talking about it on Twitter, so really excited to have you. Um, before we jump in, I've been, you know, we've been following each other on social media, LinkedIn for a while. So I, I know about your journey um, now that you're at Huge. Would love to share with our audience, if you could share with us about your journey, how you got into the strategy industry and then how you um, landed at Huge. Well, it's never linear, right? Um, Which is why I, I, lo- I love asking that. In, yeah, it's never linear. So <laughs> I'd always worked in like project management and, and marketing um, for, you know, a couple of companies. Um, one of the things, like when I was younger, one of the things that I guess, um, what you call leadership, notice is that... Um, you know, because I worked for an international company that I was just um, naturally curious, I guess. Um, so we were an international um, energy company and, uh, you know, of course, hosted people from all over the world. And, um, I, you know, I was just naturally curious and wanted to help others better understand, you know, the countries that we were going into or better understand, you know, some of the, the cultural um nuances with, you know, individuals that we were meeting with. And, um, you know, on my own, I just started creating like these, you know, cultural immersion, you know, uh, meetings for, you know, teams that were traveling. Um, Ultimately, you know, I guess I was good at it. And ultimately, you know, one of the the big wigs asked if I wanted to go, you know, and I was like, you know, I'm 20, I'm 20 some, I'm single. I'm like, yeah, I'll go, you know, so... (laughs) Um, and I think that it? it was just like, all right, <laughs> what was that? Where, where did you, where, where, where were you invited to travel to? The first trip was India. Um, wow. and you know, I was like, bet go. And it started out like, oh, you'll just be gone for a couple of weeks. And, um, I'm like, okay. And, um, I had never, you know, traveled out of the country and, so, you know, the company got, you know, rushed my passport and, you know, um, one of the VPs who was Indian at the time, you know, kind of like a fatherly figure, um, thought he was so excited that it was my first trip. So he, you know, it was an honor for him. So he also was like, well, we'll, we'll spend an extra time in London, you know, and, and I was just like, this is everything. And that two weeks turned into six weeks. That two weeks turned into six weeks in India. Um, But, you know, fast forward to um, I'm on maternity leave. uh, You know, at this point, I'm like, you know, um, 30s. And um, a friend of mine came and he was like, hey, you know, are you going to return? You know, come back to work. Are you going to stay home? So I was like, yeah, this stay at home mom thing isn't for me. So he's like, you know, we got this great opportunity, you know, um, at a multicultural agency here in Detroit. 
And, um, you know, so I ended up working at, you know, Global Hue, which was a multicultural agency at the time. You know, uh, we were like killing the game. We had Walmart, you know, Chrysler at the time, Verizon, um, really big accounts. And so that was my first, um, you know, entrance into like agency life from, you know, working on, you know, brand side. And, um, you know, from there, it was like I said, it was just always curious, always asking questions and, you know, started out on client, you know, client management, but, you know, ultimately, you know, moved uh, into into strategy. And I think it was just always something um, that curiosity part was just always there, you know, and then being able to traveling so much. And, you know, in between that, I traveled globally at Jack Morton as well and really started just to connect the dots, you know, in terms of what multicultural really was. And then, you know, when I ended up at Spike DDB, which is Spike Lee's agency, I really started to marry, you know, multicultural, multicultural and culture, just culture in general. And when I started to really put all those pieces together and understanding the impact and the things that I saw, you know, in other countries and how, you know, uh, culture here influenced so much. Um, and then, you know, just put, put the dots together and here I am at huge. So, you, you know, I just realized as you were talking, you're, you're one of the first strategists that we have on the show. We typically have like insights, people, you know, heavy on the research or mar marketing. Um, can you tell us maybe for our audience, that's not familiar with the strategist role, like similarities and differences between insights and strategy, marketing and strategy, like what is strategy? What does a strategist do? Strategy, what it should be, what it should do is connect the dots. That's what strategy should do. I think strategy has gotten watered down uh, so much to where it's it's only collecting the dots, if you will. You know, it's it's great at collecting data and um, you know regurgitating data, but it's not putting those dots together. It's not taking uh, human experiences and it's not taking culture into um, into consideration when you start to have a point of view. And I think um, strategy has lost its way in terms of actually having a point of view. And um, and your point of view should come from the your experiences. It should come from the data. Um, data is great, but you need context and relevance. You need those things to to give a whole holistic approach to strategy and the way strategy kind of overlaps with some, you know, like with research, um, we're the ones who either are in the, the room with you, you know, with researchers, we're hiring the researchers and, or, you know, we're asking the questions as well. Um, so we're the ones that's in the room with you because we need those insights. We need those little nuggets, you know, that's, that's buried, you know, um, when we, you know, talk to participants. Um, and so in insights, like that should be like a big component of, of your job. If you're a strategist, you should have insights. Therefore you should have a point of view. Um, and so what I've noticed, um, is that 
we've kind of gotten away from that. And, and I don't, I think it's more of a client thing. Like, you know, we want, we want so bad, you know, to please clients, but we don't want to tell clients what they need to hear. And I think that's the, the part that a strategy has to do is tell clients what they need to hear, do it in a way that they'll receive it, but you know, still tell them what they need to hear. No, I, I think you're spot on. And, and, you know, some, the best strategists that I've worked with to your point, have a point of view because you can do research all day. I mean, that's what we do, right? But when you work with a strategist that has a hypothesis, they're pulling from their experiences, they're pulling from knowledge of past projects, culture, you can put together a so much better research project, right? Because you're not either doing research where data is already out there, right? Um, so when a strategist right. comes in with a point of view, on the front end, you put together much better research. And if there's a hypothesis, depending on how the data bears out, they could tell that story so much better, you know? Um, because for us researchers, we have to be, we, ha we, we, we just have to let the data do the talking. Now, I mean, I don't want to say unfortunately, but like, I feel like companies now push on market research companies to be strategists and that's that's a dangerous game. Like we're just supposed to give you the data. We can give you, um, you know, we can give you some some top line bullets. Like, hey, based on the data X Y Z. But to me, a strategy takes the data and takes it to the next level, connecting the dots. To your point, right? Yep. Yep. And I think, um, you know somehow we've gotten away from like, you know, it, it, you know, an advertising agency world, like there's always strategists. Um, but we've let, we've let the data take over. And yes, like I said, data is super important. I need that from you guys. Like, right. I need, you know, your, um, your synthesis on that data, but then I have to take the data and then be able to tell the story to the client. Right. Uh, whether it's about their product, their brand, or, you know, whatever. I have to be able to take that and be able to uh, write, you know, a story about it, you know, that is layered in their data. But I need to pull out, like, you know, it could be anything that you may find in, in the research and I may pick up on it. You know, I may pick up on a word. And I'll give an example. Um, worked on a AARP for Ad Council. And, you know, and it was targeting African-American um, caregivers. And, um, you know, I was supposed to go to the, re you know, we had three markets research. I was supposed to go to one, but I remember I couldn't make it for whatever reason. So, you know, other team members went and just hearing their report out. Right. You know, their, their thoughts, their findings, you know, um, from the research. And the more they kept talking, you know, me, based on my experience, I'm originally from Louisiana. I'm here in Detroit, but originally from Louisiana. The more they kept talking about, you know, these uh, participants um, and things that they were understanding, like, you know, laughter, laughter through pain, you know, very common in the African-American community. We use laughter to get through pain, you know, um, very, very common. So those are little nuances, you know, that we're able to draw on because of our experiences, right? And then, you know, when we started talking about African-American caregivers, um, one of the words that stood out to me was stoic, 
um, from Louisiana, you know, very stoic people, you know, so that word stoic ended up being in like, you know, a creative territory. And then that helps creatives, right? So when you go into a territory, um, creatives can, can really be inspired by words, insights, etc. So data can only inform insights must inspire. And I love that because for me as a researcher, right, or I mean, even thinking about a moderator, we would gloss over that word stoic, right? That's that's where I think a strategist comes in. When you're talking to a respondent or group, if it shows up in an open end, a, a researcher is not going to think twice about that word, um, maybe not even report it. Right. So I, th- I I think that's that's where a strategist comes in, right? You're hearing through your background, like, wow, that's, yeah, this resonates with me personally or other research I've done. Um, and I love the AARP example because, you know, AARP is one of my favorite brands because they, it, it's such a great window into multicultural marketing because it deals with a subject that's so personal and um, so different on what what culture that you're in. Right. I mean, African-Americans, how African-Americans mm-hmm. deal with yeah. aging versus Latinos versus Asians versus whites. So different. And and, and it's it's a brand to me that, that that highlights the importance of multicultural marketing. Right. It, it is. And it was it was a I mean, it was great project. I, you know, we were really, you're able to really dig in. And when you have so many in in the room, right, our team is multicultural, right? So we're all drawing on, you know, these different experiences. And I just think it made, you know, the campaign that that much more richer. Yeah. So let's shift a little bit into multicultural because I feel like, um, you know, that that's an area of expertise for you. And, and, um, I know you've you've been doing it prior to 2020, where it feels like everybody's now talking about multicultural. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm curious. You know, what from your perspective, like, have you felt felt a a, a change um, now? You know, we're in 2021. You know, 2020, of course, we had a huge cultural shift with the murder of George Floyd brands putting out statements black lives matter um you know it 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 felt like a, a like a paradigm shift what's what's your take on what's happening from a brand perspective in response to everything that happened in 2020 from a from a kind of from a, from an awakening perspective <sighs> Oh, that's a that's a good one. Yes, there is a shift in us, the consumers. I don't see much of a shift on the brand side. I think brands are still trying to force fit everything into total market. They are still like I'm still hearing the words total market. Um, they still 
they have not changed the, their mindsets yet. And, um, you know, yes, there are, you know, some brands that do it well. You know, we know those brands. But just in general, um, no, they're still saying total market. And total market is so far from delivering what brands need right now. Um, they Total market still centers general market. It still centers it. And until they understand that, you know, whatever we calling it, you know, I, I, I hate the term multicultural, but um, it needs to move closer to the center. You know, it's the, the best analogy is, you know, in, in advertising, we go on shoots, right? We production shoots. Um, there's always shadow shooting. So you're always like for the Hispanic, you know, they're, the Hispanic agency is always shadow shooting with the general market agency, right? That's the norm. If culturally, those could not be so much further from apart from each other. Um, so you're trying to force, you know, Hispanic insights, nuances, and, you know, things like that into a general market shoot when really it should be the other way around. It really, you know, and this is going to shake some tables, but really it should be multicultural leading the shoot and then general market shadow shooting because general market mimics and pulls from multicultural. So, uh yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, so t- tell us what total market is. I mean, I, I, I think there's some listeners that um, have heard about it, maybe have never heard about it. I actually thought total market went by the wayside even prior to 2020. So it's really interesting. I mean, you're, you're there talking to brands, mm-hmm. but what, you know, tell us for the audience, like what, what is total market? How would you describe it? Or what, what are they trying to be, really? And what, what did it end up becoming? I thought it went away, too. You know, I, I went away for a few years and was consulting. So I'm thinking, you know, people have moved on. Um, yeah. Then I, I come back to agency life, and they're still talking about it. And I'm like, what? Um, so, no, it didn't go away. And I don't know the technical term of, of total market, but total market is basically you know, where um, brands are trying to cast a wide net, right? Like they're trying to use, you know, um, media, a mix of media and channels to reach larger audiences. So not just general market. They want to, you know, put take 1% of their budget and try to reach Hispanic. They want to take 1% of their budget and try to reach African-American. They want to take a little tiny percent you know, to reach Asian American. Um, so what they're doing is trying to cast a wide net to speak to far more audiences, therefore diluting, you know, their messaging. So that's, you know, in, in, in a nutshell, that's kind of what total market is. And and I've actually never heard of shadow shooting. I, I think I understand the concept. Can you? Can, is it like what? What is that? What 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 does shadow shooting mean? 
So if you're the, if you're the multicultural agency, whether you're Hispanic, you know, African American, or if you you know do both, you have your lead agency. So your lead agency is a general market agency. Um, you get a little bit of the little budget, a little slither. And, um, you know, you're probably the agency, the multicultural agency of record, you know, but you have the general market agency that gets like a big piece of the pie. And so they do a commercial, right? They go and do production, they do assets, you know, they're doing assets of the product and, you know, all these shoots, right? You get to send like a couple of people from your team to go on that shoot. And, you know, you, so it's called shadow shooting and you get to go on that shoot so you can get the content that you need as well, but you're doing it from their, from their perspective, not from your perspective. Wow. That's, (laughs) I, I've, I never heard of that. And that's just so emblematic of, of the problem. I mean, on multiple levels, right? There's a physical manifestation of what is wrong with the advertising agency. And I think you made a really great point. It should be the opposite because it's the opposite. Because look, I mean, if you look at culture, advertising aside, what's happening on the internet, what's happening in music, movies, culture is shadow shooting African Americans, Hispanics, Asians. It's just, that's crazy. Yeah. That's the world we live in. And, it, you know, and I think if, you know, we understood how a lot of this worked, you know, in terms of even the media spend, right? You know, where you're, where you're spending your dollars as a brand in terms of media, where you're advertising and marketing. If like, if we were savvier and knew more, like we would make so much better informed decisions, you know, on who we support at, from a brand perspective. Um, but like you said, that is, is so much wrong with that, you know, and, and, and like we've talked about, you know, it may have worked 10, I mean, 15, 20 years ago. Um, but it's, it's time to really shake all that up. What? So let, you know, for brands listening, for, you know, agencies listening, I mean, what, what's the ideal way that we would think about um well and and i'm curious before i ask that actually you mentioned you don't like the term multicultural i agree with you what what term should we be using i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i've been thinking like three years i've been thinking for three years what should we call it and i don't know i would love to get in a row with some some minds, you know, so we could rename this thing, you know, um, because total market needs to go away. Multicultural needs to go away. I just don't know. And I, I need other minds, you know, I need that energy, you know, <laughs> in a room to hammer it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we like, we, we, so we, we actually named the podcast new mainstream because, we didn't want to be a multicultural podcast. Um, I don't know that, you know, new mainstream really points at the demographic shifts shift happening, the cultural shift happening. Um, but I, you know, I don't know how well adopted it would be new mainstream. I think it's scary for some people. 
I think it is scary. I think brands, they, they just literally don't know what to do. I think it's, you know, we got to help them build a confidence, you know, um, that, you know, this is, this is where we are. Like you can't run from it any longer, you know? Um, but, and this is where we are. And like you said, it's, just look at who drove culture during the pandemic. Like, you know, like still driving when we talk about, you know, versus like still, like when we talk about all of these things born out of this, um, this pandemic, you know, and who's really driving culture. And when you start to get around the world and you see who's really influencing, you know, culture, um, we're here and brands are so late. I mean, I started, talking about this with clients, you know, some years ago, you know, and it was unsettling then. Um, and, you know, but I'm just like, it's, it's not going to go away. I don't, I don't care what you do. It's not going, going to go away. But when we start to talk about, you know, agencies and what inter- your question is like, what do I think needs to happen? I, I wrote back in 2019 for Nielsen, I wrote, um, what do you call it? a contributing writer um, in one of their in their African American report? And one of the things I said was, ideally, multicultural agencies should have should have been the most poised to lead at this point. We should you know we should be seeing you know multicultural agencies leading um, and and uh, winning general market business. However. Our multicultural agencies are suffocating in terms of like they cannot compete because they can't get the budgets, right? They can't, you know, get the production dollars. Uh, they can't get, you know, the the scopes of work, you know, that uh, allows them to compete, you know, and pitch the business like the bigger agencies. But yeah, ideally, they should have been the most poised to, to lead at this point because of where we are. Yeah, and you know, my my hot take on total market is I think part of the impetus was large agencies, you know, general market agencies started to see multicultural or the beginnings of multicultural agencies starting to win a little bit more business, right? 1.5% versus mm-hmm. 1%. And they created total right. market, they created total market because that was a way for them to win, win more of that multicultural. Um, and, and it's, it's, you know, and it's, and it's no, it's not a coincidence that as we started to see the rise of total market, you started to see more and more cultural gaffes for lack, you know, for lack of better words, you started to see brands, put out commercials, digital assets that it's like, dude, did a, was like, oh, did a black or brown person even look at this before it was published? And the answer is probably not, (laughs) probably not. And, 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 and what's, you know, what's crazy is even, even despite what's happening to 2020 and maybe, maybe you're right. You're, You're actually, now that I think about this, despite what happened in 2020, we're still seeing these gaffes, right? We're still seeing um, 
brands and companies kind of fall on their faces from a cultural perspective? Like, what's up with that? Bingo, bingo, bingo. I always say follow the money. Um, And if, like you said, when total market came into the picture, it, it was to keep the money. So the general market agency started to creating total market and it was to keep, because the big money is in media. That's where the really big money is. So it was to keep that money under one uh, parent company or business unit and to say, okay, well, we can start to market to larger, to more audiences. So we don't have to give a portion of our production budget to said multicultural agency. So not only did you start to see, you know, more of these, you know, brands kind of falling flat on their faces, but you also started to see multicultural agencies door shutter. And you also started to see, um, you know, where they're, they're literally there for just a scope of work. You're not producing work. You just have a scope of work to keep X amount of bodies at your agency, but you're not actually producing work. Um, so that's when you started to see all of that and you just fewer and fewer um, multicultural agencies, you know, hanging on or barely hanging on. Um, and that's where we are now. Um, so they can't compete because I, if, if they're in a position to compete, you know, then that's going to change the, the start to change the ecosystem that's been set up, you know, Um and, and that's where we have to get back to, uh, and I, I think, you know, Global Hue isn't around anymore, but the model, you know, Global Hue, because we, we have both uh, African-American, Hispanic, um, and um, Asian-American under one roof, you know, um, and, you know, we were doing a damn thing. <laughs> so, you know, but I have not been able to see that. I haven't seen that replicated, you know, um, in a long time. Why do you, why um, do you yeah, think they were you know, successful? Why, why do you think they were successful in, in that? Because everyone I meet that has worked at Global Hue is fantastic. And there's so many people out there in the ecosystem like that, that were part of the multicultural unit at Global Hue. Like what, what can we learn from them? What can we learn from them um, in terms of doing it right? Independent. It was an independent agency, um, so we start there. It wasn't under the umbrella of anyone, um, and we were truly diverse, like truly, truly diverse. And that's what we brought to the table. You know that diversity, that you know those perspectives. You know, we we brought all of that to the table. Um, and at that time, you know, we had robust budgets. You know, um, not as robust as a general, but, you know, a whole lot more robust than what's out there now. Um, and we had robust budget. We could actually produce work. Um, I think that model and, and it was all we lived all under one roof. It wasn't separated. It wasn't like Hispanic was a different office. We were all there, all working together, all a cohesive unit. And we got each other like because there were synergies and, you know, a lot of um you know, our experiences there, you know, it intersected, right? 
And so um, I think that too, you know, was, was the message. Uh, I mean, was the, um, was the magic, you know, that intersection of all these different cultures. Whereas, you know, if I'm at a general market agency, I'm kind of isolated, right? I'm kind of isolated. I don't have, you know, like, you know, someone who's, you know, African-American or Hispanic and Asian on my team where, you know, where we can, you know, ideate and create. Um, so that energy, you know, isn't, isn't coming out. You're isolated. Whereas at, at Global Hue, we weren't isolated, you know? Um, and, and I think, you know, is that, it safe that to assume that you're, is it safe to assume that like your, your clients were winning too, right? Like your clients were doing well, making inroads into these diverse audiences, right? Yep. Yeah. And, you know, and there, and, um, you know, there's, there's, there's case studies that supports that, you know, but this idea total, total market really was, you know, um, it, it wasn't about servicing the, it wasn't about reaching new audiences. It was really about the money. And, to bring this full circle, I mean, I think, you know, one thing I think people forget is that we don't talk about diverse audiences, multicultural, um, necessarily from, from, a, from a moral perspective. I mean, I believe that we should be doing it because it's the right thing to do, but it's also the profitable thing to do for companies. And you pointed to two things that I think are worth you know, highlighting the very first thing that you mentioned on why Global Hue was successful was diversity. And again, yeah, do I believe that it's a moral or ethical imperative for us to have diverse teams? Yes. But also the data points that diverse teams are more successful across every single metric, happiness, profitability, innovation, um, like you got to hire diverse people. And that's not only ethnic background, that's age, ability, sexual orientation. Um, you know, it, it's just things that are so clear. I feel like, you know, brands, companies, um, the first step is, is, is to look, look within your own walls, right? Like from a diversity perspective. Yeah. Um, so absolutely, you know, know there's, Lots of like lots of data points that that already prove that you know and but yet we're you know we're still not there. So w would love to hear your perspective, um, you know, for for listeners that are tuning in. Um, you know, we have lots that are kind of just starting. Maybe they're inside a brand. Maybe they're inside inside of an agency, and they've been tasked to look into multicultural diverse audiences, how to apply it to their business, to their brand. For someone just getting into it, I feel like, you know, this world can be overwhelming. Um, and, and lots of people throw up their hands, unfortunately. But like, what, what's, what's a word of advice that you would give to someone kind of starting this multicultural diverse audience journey? I think you need to hire someone outside. I think, um, like you said, it's overwhelming. And if you have, you know, you can have diverse teams, you know, already at your agency, but they have 
all the other responsibilities, right? They still have the day-to-day business they have to do. They still have their clients. They still have their projects. And so now if you're asking to layer, um, you know, this, it's not that they can't, um, it's to do it right and to be able to tell you what you need to hear. You know, sometimes you may have to look and, and outsource that. Um, I think it gives, you know, a consultant or, you know, another um, agency the license, you know, to, to say what needs to be said um, without, you know, backlash or, you know, um, anything like that. And so that would be, you know, my, my biggest recommendation is to just have someone from the outside um, come in and give you, you know, like, first of all, educate. You know, I think there's an education component. I, I really do believe that people just really don't understand what has happened. You know, um, if we look at like just media, me, just media alone, if we put up a pie of the media by just in the U.S., the ANA does this report. Um, they say, OK, here's the pie. Um, as of last year, I want to say like 2019, I think that's the most recent data. 2019, five point something percent, 5.6, I believe, percent was spent in multicultural. So that's that pie. But then you bring up the demographic pie. And then you look at the percentage of just the demographic. Okay. And I think at 2019, what we're at, 35%, something like that, just in the demographic shifts. So you're only spending 5.5% of the media from to reach 35%, you know, of the demographic. So if even if you had something like that in front of you to show you that this is skewed from a, a standpoint of not even bothering, like don't even bother with your 5.5%. So I think there's an education. I think just an overall, you know, not even at your brand level, just as at at a higher level, like here's where we are in this country, you know, and then here's what we're we're spending in media, you know, um, then you can bring it down to, you know, brand level, and then you can possibly bring it down to product level. But I think that that story of really painting the picture of where we are today, um, I think that has to happen. We keep talking about Gen Z, right? Gen Z is, we're already over 50%, you know, um, in terms of multicultural with Gen Z, but that's all they're saying. They're not, they're not looking at it from the big, big picture. That's such a good point because, well, one, you know, rely on someone on the outside because it's it's so much easier to have those tough conversations with the C-suite if you rely if you if if it's someone external, an expert, right? You can say, "Hey, yep. these are the numbers. This is what Deidre is telling me. This is not this is not something that I'm I'm coming up with." Um, so that's a really good point, and and I think a, your second point is really good too because. For us that are immersed in multicultural, I think for me, I, I mean, I, I I tend to forget about the big picture. I get in the weeds and I forget, oh yeah, there's some serious demographic shifts happening here. Like Gen Z, everybody mm-hmm. wants everybody wants to reach Gen Z, and I've been saying, okay, you want to reach Gen Z? That's a multicultural 
generation, period. You know, like it's the first time. The first, yeah, it's the first time in our country's history that non-Hispanic that non-Hispanic whites make up less than fifty percent. And furthermore, you know, the fastest growing ethnic cohort there is is multiracial. We have more multiracial yeah. generation than ever before, and multicultural marketers and researchers are poised to understand that more than anyone because you know we we can't even get a grasp of of, of multicultural and now you got to deal with like intersectionality multiracial i mean that's a whole other aspect to this too and you can't make the leap right you can't just say oh, i'm going to jump to from total market to uh, you know all these other uh uh, inputs coming in. It's like, you know, let's start at a big picture level and understanding where you are, where we are, you know? Um, and I think some, some, they know, they just don't know how. Um, and then I think some are just in denial. And I think some believe as you and I have talked about, I think some of them truly believe that everyone wants to assimilate. Oh wow, that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a good note to end. Thank you, thank you so much for coming, Deidre. Um, You're one of my favorite follows on Twitter. If people want to connect with you, can you um, share your social media? What's the best way to 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 get a hold of you? It's so weird. So like, I'm both, I'm an ambivert. I'm an introvert and an extrovert. (laughs) And I love to to speak my mind, but as soon as the attention, like as soon as everything turns, it's like, I want to do that Oscar Simpson meme and go back into the ocean. (laughs) And it's so weird, you know, I'll put something out there. And then when when it really takes off, I'm like, holy crap. So, um, but my... Twitter handle is uh, my name. So it's at Deidre Rahman on, on Twitter. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping, stopping by Deidre. And thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for having me. Thanks to everyone listening in. To get more multicultural insights, check us out at thinknow.com and follow us on social media. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. Final thank you to our producer, Lucas Martinez, who created our intro music and makes our podcast sound great. To email him, reach out to martinez.lucas.a at gmail.com.